puck is dropped, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Morrissey, the blast, loose puck, scores! Shankly wires it, scores! What a stop by Hellebuck! Kyle Connor, Jets go bang, bang, bang! Welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Episode 154 of the Ground Control Podcast coming your way right now. And I know you clicked on this or saw it come up on your phone and you saw Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet's going to be on here. So you're pumped about that. You're also pumped about the analysis you're going to get from Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas of 680 CGOB. But we have another special guest for you. A familiar voice on the podcast, Tyler <laughs> Esquivel. Welcome back. Hello. It's good to be back. Where were you? Uh, I was at my desk for most of it. <laughs> and I was rudely taken away from my work. No, uh, I was given the blessing to jump out of a meeting and join you guys. So thanks for having me. Well, and there's a very specific reason. Obviously, we're going to start this thing off talking about Nito Niederreiter. That is the, the big news in, in Jets land at this point. Uh, but you were at the airport. I was. How was that for you when he got off the plane? Was it about 9.30 p.m. Central? Uh, yeah, he got in about 9.45 and... So it was, you know, it's Winnipeg, it's cold. But, you know, like, there's cold and then there's cold. And it was only about minus 9, minus 15 with the wind chill or so, which doesn't sound terrible. But then when you're shooting and you got bare hands on a metal <laughs> camera, slowly as the minutes tick on by, you have less and less dexterity. And by the time you stepped off the plane, you'll notice there's a bit of a shake in the video. That's because my brain is trying to tell my hands to zoom in a little bit but they just weren't listening so uh luckily by the time i edited the video the the hands were back to normal but it was it was cool it was really good uh great first impression from the the guys so happy to have them gave you a nice little wave too so obviously some oh yeah (laughs) yeah there's a connection already Yeah. yeah yes uh, but obviously, you look at what he's going to be able to bring to the Winnipeg Jets uh, lineup. Obviously, a, a spark. Anytime you get a new face uh, into the room, that certainly does that. Five-time 20-goal scorer. Been in double digits in all but two of his 12 seasons. And by all accounts, really has a nose for the net. Uh, Paul, just curious when you found out that this was going to be happening and then the announcement comes, just what was your initial reaction? Well, you kind of unpack it. And then the more you unpack, the more you seem to like. I mean, there's a lot of... I think boxes to check here. There's a lot of assets that that Nino brings to the team. The ability to play both sides, uh, six foot two frame, a guy that's been a six time twenty goal scorer in the National Hockey League, a guy that's played almost eight hundred games, and then you start to say, okay, well, why is he here? Well, he's here for the stretch run and the postseason, presumably, and he has another full season of postseason games on his resume at eighty two games. So there's a lot that I like about this trade and this acquisition not to mention the fact that it's not a rental it's a guy that's got another year left on his deal so there's a lot of things that you can really like if you're the Jets fans um, and you were looking for Kevin Shovel Day off to do something he certainly has and if you're the Jets themselves you like the acquisition of this guy coming into your room yeah, and I don't know, I'll get Jamie to talk about this one, but it really seemed, you know, it can be a tough spot, I'd imagine, for a new player coming in. 
you know, you come into number one, a Canadian market, but also two, a new team, a new set of media faces to stare at. And that's pretty much what Nito Niederreiter had to do after the 45 minute practice on, on Monday, you know, he comes in brand new people and he's getting hit with all these questions. There's cameras everywhere, but mm-hmm. uh, Jamie, just your overall thoughts on kind of what he had to say and just the, the vibe in and around the room, which, you know, clearly obviously the Winnipeg Jets, things aren't going the way that they would like in the last few games, but yeah. certainly, you know, you get someone new, maybe that can change the vibe up a little right. bit. Right. I think it does. And I think you just, you know, they've been holding water here for a little bit, trying to get their game back in, intact. But I mean, I, th- I think any addition at this time that can help you in your top six is going to excite everybody in the dressing room. So I think he handled things pretty well. And it, it helps that he has a relationship with Nikolai Ehlers. You know, they, they, they know each other pretty well. So that's going to make it a little bit easier. Brendan Dillon picked him up, you know, today for practice. That's pretty much the best guy I can possibly think of to give, give you a ride to the arena for your first practice too. So, I, I, I mean, he's got to be excited too. Nashville was on their way out in terms of being a playoff team this year. They look like they're going to be sellers at this point. So I think anybody that would, any player that knows is going to be going to a team that's going to be pushed for a playoff spot and possibly further than that, it would be excited. And the one thing I, the thing that stood up to me in the one line that Rick Bonus said last night was he's hard to play against and we need that right now. There you go. Enough said. So, I mean, that's, that's what Nino Niederreiter is. And I, I like the f- he's an extremely frustrating player to play against. I've seen enough games where the Jets go up against him. He's in your face a lot, and he goes to the net. Yeah, and that's exactly where Rick Bonus has put him on that uh, power play. And the ideal plan right now to, to start things off as he would skate with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Nikolai Ehlers. So, Pierre-Luc Dubois, game time decision for Tuesday, but... You know, we cross our fingers, knock on wood, do all of those things. Uh, that Pierre-Luc Dubois will be good to go. Uh, one more for you, Tyler, before we get into Jeff Merrick. Uh, one of the big uh, cool parts about what you do on a day-to-day basis here is a lot of behind-the-scenes work. So you would have been able to see a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff when uh, Nita Ryder arrived at the rink. What was that like, and uh, what kind of insight can you give our listeners? Well, first of all, Brennan, so you're right, Brennan Dillon picked him up, but I, I want to know why that was necessary. I mean, he's staying at a downtown hotel well within walking distance. Uh, but, yeah, so Brendan brought him in this morning. Uh, he kind of was, I believe they were the first two players in, uh, toured him around a little bit. He was really impressed with the facilities and got to meet everybody. First people he met was the trainers, and then coaches, all the medical staff, and just kind of got a, a tour of things. And and then the thing that I find fascinating is is the equipment guys. You know, if, if you're a hockey gear nerd, that's right up your alley. And we, we will have some content uh, with them as well. But, yeah, it's just like the minutia of things. Like he had certain leathers in his uh, or materials in his palm of his gloves and we had that material so our head equipment manager Jay was uh, sewing those later on in the day before practice it's crazy that they were able to just make that stuff for him right away Um, so there's just those little things little interactions and just getting to know the guys and it was it was it was great it seems like a uh, gonna be a great fit for the for the team and uh, yeah looking forward to sharing a lot of that content uh, with our listeners viewers and fans. Yeah, just like you mentioned, if you want to check out any of that stuff, obviously it's going to be on the social media channels. It'll be on the Winnipeg Jets website. It'll be absolutely everywhere. So make sure you check that out. Now, of course, we're getting close to trade deadline and someone to talk to Jamie Thomas would be Jeff Merrick, someone who obviously talks to Elliot Friedman a lot uh, on their podcast Mm -hmm. and obviously has a spot uh, 
on 32 Thoughts uh, on Hockey Night in Canada as well. Just uh, what stood out uh, from your 17-minute conversation, I believe it is. Well, we tried not to talk about anything that could happen or because yeah. lots of things will, will change over the next 24 hours and even further as this podcast goes to the people listen to it. But uh, he touched on Nino Niederreiter. I did ask him, can a deal or two reinvigorate a dressing room at this time of year if a team is struggling? And then on top of that, he's got a great story about Greg Rosinski. And uh, Doug McLean <laughs> almost went at it after a trade deadline uh, at one year. Um, so, well, I'll let him tell that story. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. Hi, this is Neil Pionk, and you're listening to Ground Control the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Jeff, uh, before we get to the meat at the heart of the matter, of course, about the trade deadline and everything going on, I just got to ask, how popular yes. is your cell phone at this time of year to the members <laughs> of your family? Uh, not very. I mean, it's always on. Like, I've got, like, yeah. the most understanding. Uh, like, like, people like Elliot and me, like, we have the most understanding spouses in the world. Um, yeah. And bless them, they understand that, like, this is the gig this is going to be the gig until, you know, at some point in July. But the key to making yeah. it all work is when we're down, we're really down. Like <laughs> phones go away, leave it, no checking Twitter nonstop. But uh, they, uh, they, uh, my wife and Elliot's wife, they, uh, they know what they signed up for here. They, they didn't sign up for good looks. They signed up for <laughs> the two guys to work hard. <laughs> now is the term you're not present brought up often at this time of year uh yeah it's, it's been mentioned there's been like uh i i'm my the the pet one with my wife is always um did you listen to a thing that i just said have you been listening at all Re- repeat back one thing that i just said <laughs> meatball and uh yeah i've i've i've, I've been guilty of, of of feathers before yeah like oh, I'm, I'm i'm sorry hon you got me yeah my bad okay well Listen, as we record this on a Sunday night, after the Jets yep. fell 4 nothing to the New York Islanders, a lot of things could change by the time this goes out to everybody. But let's sure. start on Nino Niederreiter coming to the Winnipeg Jets. A big body winger. How do you yep. believe he yep. helps Winnipeg going forward? This is a home run for Kevin Dayoff. Like, it, it really is. Like, e- even if it were our rental, it would be a home run for Kevin Dayoff. But there's a mm-hmm. there's another year attached. You know, in the um, – and the podcast that Elliot and I tried to record this morning, but then, you know, it's, we're going to have to redo it because everything has changed today. One of the yeah. points that we were making is Kevin Sheveldayoff may have the hardest job of any general manager in the NHL because the pool that he's able to draw from is, is smaller than any other team in the NHL. And for mm-hmm. Sheveldayoff to pull off something like this with this type of player and only give up a second-round pick, I mean, this is – this is this is that kind of home run where the outfielder doesn't even look over his shoulder, just sort of puts his head down because he knows the ball is leaving the yard. Um, yeah. Look, play driver, big body, um, hard to play against. Um, he's you know he's kind of like when you look at Nino Niederreiter, like I've always looked at him and said he's kind of your like new age power forward, isn't he? Like he's right. not like that you know like Rick Tockett, Cam Neely kind of power forward, but when you look at what goes into a power forward now in the NHL? Niederreiter's kind of that. Like I, I give full praise to the to the Jets on this one and Kevin Chevaldeoff. This one's this one's a really nice bit of business by uh, by Chevy here. Uh, this is a very broad question, but 
What okay. else do you see them doing before Friday? Ugh, great one. I, I always I always hate answering this one because no matter what I say, yeah. it could change in two in two seconds. It's um, probably changing right now. It it probably is, or at least the, the at least the conversations are being had. I you know I'll, I'll tell you who I still wonder about. I still wonder about James Van Riemsdyk with the Winnipeg yeah. Jets. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a few teams that are, that are after him right now. Like we think of Vegas. I still don't think that they're done. Minnesota. I mentioned them on Saturday night on hockey night. I got a note from someone saying, you know, they're probably not as hot on James Van Riemsdyk as, as other teams, but certainly there. Um, I know that Dallas made a move today, bringing in the Donoff, but I, you know, they're one of the teams that's, that's in that mix. Um, mm-hmm. for, for James Van Riemsdyk, but you know, Winnipeg has been there. Uh, and I just, I wonder if they're, if, if Winnipeg is, is still in that mix for JVR. When a team is struggling at the deadline, like the Jets are, let's, let's be honest here. Can yeah. a move or two reinvigorate a dressing room and can. going down the path? Yeah. 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 You know, the, the Dallas stars, um, in a similar situation as well, you know, they've, they've hit a little bit of a speed wobble. You know, I know they had the, mm-hmm. the big win, but you know, you know, going in before the most recent win, I mean, it was, it wasn't looking good. And that's one of the teams that if you ask anybody at any level of the organization, Jamie, they'll tell you the mm-hmm. same thing. We can probably win the cup here. You know, the, the, the Western conference is kind of more wide open than, than the East. I mean, the East is loading up completely. The West is still very much jump ball, and Dallas still considers considers themselves, and I think rightly so, Jamie, as one of those mm-hmm. teams who we could see. I mean, you can never sort of say we expect them to win the Stanley Cup, but at least you can say like we could expect to see them in the Stanley Cup and compete for the Stanley Cup and and make it to the Stanley Cup final. I think they have all the all the ingredients uh, it'll it it takes to make it to the Stanley Cup final, whether it's net mining, whether it's defense, whether it's uh, players up front. So, yeah, they're looking for a spark. I still don't think that Jim Nill is done. I still think mm-hmm. that they're looking for players that are, you know, that are harder to play against. They were in on Tyler Bertuzzi until the Detroit Red Wings got within one point of the playoffs and Steve Eisen stopped all conversations. I think they're in on Hathaway. You know, I, I, uh, I'm curious to see about Tanner Janot now that we have the news out of Nashville with, uh, with yeah. Cross, et cetera, and David Poyle stepping down. We'll see what happens with Tanner Janot. I know they want to resign him. But I don't know where they're at with money. I think the first offer uh, wasn't exactly to that uh, to, to that player or his representation's liking. But you know, teams know it. Like when you're that close and you're going through a little bit of a speed wobble, uh, you know, bringing in a new player as a you know a shot in the arm or sending some reinforcements can absolutely help uh, a team that has some deep playoff aspirations. And I think you throw the Winnipeg Jets into that conversation. And and moreover, like. If I'm Kevin Shevel Dayoff, I'm looking at when my contracts are expiring and I'm looking at the kind of seasons that certain players are having, uh, perhaps mm-hmm. most notably Connor Hellebuck and a player like Josh Morrissey. And don't you have to kind of say to yourself, I owe it to this team and I owe it to this market that we need to go for it this year? Because who knows what's yeah. going to happen when these contracts expire? Who, who knows? Like they may resign, they may go else. We don't know. But if you're Shevel Dayoff, you, you kind of owe it to this team in this market right now. They're they're close. They're real good. I know it's a you know, a little bit of a tailspin here, but you know I, I think you gotta I think you gotta you know try to supercharge that dressing room, and a trade can certainly do that. 
Let's go back to JVR, Jason Rizek for a second. Hasn't been yep. the best of times for him since he re- went, came back to Philadelphia. At yep. his best, what can he yeah. make should he come here? You know, he's so good around the net. The, the one thing about Van Rees, exactly. like, you know, we've, seen, we, we've seen this with other players before. I always joke about a player like, I don't know, like Tim Kerr or a player like Dave Andrichuk or even, even James yeah. Van Rees. Like, and I say, if, if you add up the, the distance traveled in all of their goals, like the distance that the puck actually travels to get over the line, like how short is that line? Even when you put them, when you put them all together. Um, yeah. because he's just like, you know, chip it in, deflect it in, in tight. Like, to me, James Van Riemsdyk, and actually Kyle Turris was really good at this too. James Van Riemsdyk is one of those players, like, he might be the best, or at least one of the best in the NHL, at being in tight on a goalie and still have the ability to accurately go high. Like, when you're in mm-hmm. tight and a goalie's on top of you, he can still fire it out. Like, that is such a such a unique skill. Like, any anything around the net... You have someone like James Van Reems, like, like that can be the difference in a game, right? Like those goal mouse scrambles, a tip in front, a little chip in front, a little, you know, uh, a little like, you know, uh, one foot goal that goes in. Yeah. I mean, what, what do we hear before all the time, Jamie? What's the hardest thing? Goals. That's why goal yeah. scorers get the, the big money. And James Van Reems, like when he's on and, and at his best, you know, around the net, this guy, uh, this guy has magic hands, no doubt about it. Well, the Rick Bonus has been crying for those greasy goals, and James Van Riemsdyk could certainly oh, provide that. Hundred uh, percent. That's <laughs> that's his. That is his. Uh, that's that's James Van Riemsdyk grease. They're not going to be pretty. They're not going to have you know lipstick or a bow tie on them. They're not going to look nope. nice. They're not going to be. They're not going to be ready for prom. But you know what? They don't ask how. They just ask how many. Okay, so Timo Meyer came off the list too today. Yeah. He went to to New Jersey. So is this still is this a buyer or seller's market as we record this podcast? And I remind everybody, this is Sunday night around six o'clock. You know, with with defensemen, it's really interesting. Um, you know, I think some teams are feeling well, certainly with a, with a player like uh, with a Jacob Chikrin, um, that the price is too high. Like there are. There are a lot of teams, and we think of the Washington Capitals that all of a sudden have a lot of defensemen to move. Um, right, right now, it, it might be a buyer's market when you look at defensemen. Although I always come short of saying that because, you know, what do we always hear on trade deadline time? Oh, looking for depth defense, looking for depth defense. But now all of a sudden, now that Washington is thrown in the towel, you know, we wonder about, you know, Nick Jensen. We wonder about Eric Gustafson. We wonder about James Van Riemsdyk's brother, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and yeah. where these defensemen may end up. And we wonder if, you know, one of the replacements in, in Washington might just end up being Jacob Chikrin. And we wonder, you know, what the St. Louis Blues are going to do with a couple of their blue liners. We wonder about Colton Pareko. We wonder about Tory Krug as, you know, Doug Armstrong looks to, to redo this team right now. I know everybody wants it, but it just seems that right now, the prices do seem a little bit high for blue liners. And, you know, that is certainly led by, by Jacob Chikrin. And this is a crazy question. and it's a, lot, it's a lot of fun, but what has more chaos going on right now, the East or the West? <sighs> oh, it's the East. Like yeah, I, I mentioned on the podcast last week, man, it's a, it's the East, Eastern, Eastern conference octagon right now. Like it's a, it's a nice fight. Think about how everybody is, 
completely loaded up here. And now Timo Meyer goes from San Jose yeah. to New Jersey. Like maybe even just specifically the Metropolitan Division. You know, you started off with Bo Horvat. We all, you know, Patrick Kane's on the horizon too. And like everybody's, mm-hmm. everyone's loading up there. And New Jersey's jumping in. And Jamie, you know as well as I do, that Carolina's going to do something. You know, they've been in on, on a lot of these players. Don Waddell's not going to come back empty-handed here. Like it's uh it's it's tough. Like some really good players and really good teams are going home early and there's gonna be a lot of disappointed squads here that really, you know, paid a lot to bring in uh, to bring in headline players. But yeah, the chaos right now and again, this could change, but mm-hmm. the chaos right now and then with the impending Patrick Kane deal, it's pretty chaotic in the East right now. I'm waiting for the West to do something huge. Someone's gonna do something big here. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I'll give you guys something to talk about on Friday for the most part. Ah, oh boy, uh, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm anticipating. I'm, I'm learning how to juggle, and I'm learning how to do sleight of hand and card tricks and spin yeah. plates, and maybe I should ask my kids how to break dance. Or I got to do some type of entertaining on Friday because, man, it might be a very quiet. It's not the best way to hype trade deadline. I know as someone who's part of it, but. Uh, yeah, maybe one of the more quiet ones that we've seen, Jamie. I'm not going to lie to you. My goodness, it's at 10 a.m. Eastern this time, or instead of years past, where it was 8 a.m. Eastern. You guys were up and at it uh, way too early. Yeah. Barbing stories yeah. at that time. So someone was oh. listening to you guys. Someone. Yeah, no, listen, I appreciate everybody that stuck with us back in the uh, the 8 a.m. days. Sanity has yeah. prevailed at least a little bit around our shop the last couple of years, and it's it's pushed to 10 a.m., um, I mean, really, like nothing really happens until noon Easter on on this day. Like the the, the morning session is just sort of you know speculation and, and setting the table, and then really, you know, a lot of the action actually kind of happens after trade deadline, like after 3 p.m. when the trades still you know trickle in as the you know, as the, uh, the, the the trade calls go through. So <laughs> it's uh, towards later in the afternoon it gets more exciting. So thankfully, some sanity has prevailed at our shop. It's like what Ron Burgundy said, it's science. Um, favorite trade <laughs> deadline story from a player that you've heard over your many years of doing this? Oh boy, I can remember talking to Colby Armstrong. And oh now Colby was, Col- Colby was part of the uh, the Penguins-Atlanta deal, the Marion Hossa-Pascal um, Dupuis deal. And I remember Colby just being so despondent and I'm like, well, like, Colby, we, we kind of heard your name out there for a long time. And he's like, yeah, I know, but I'm, like, best buds with 87. I thought that I had Crosby insurance, and it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen to me. You know, they had banners for me. I was palling around with Sid. I really thought I had Crosby insurance. Not not so much. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were just talking about the juggling you're going to have to do. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Like, what's yeah. your favorite kind of deadline day story that, of the stuff that's happening with the phone calls all coming in, producers yelling at you, floor directors directing people around? What's, what's something good that's happened on trade deadline day? It's been pretty fun. Uh, I, remember, I remember there was one producer that I, I was getting a completely different message from the agent of this one player who you know, almost, you know, sort of forced me to say something that I didn't want to say on television because although he yeah. believed that it was true, um, I was getting from the agent, don't go with it, that's not truth. Thankfully, and I'm not going to say the, the player's name or the uh, the one producer in question that tried to strong arm me into saying something that 
you know, this player's agent was telling me is not true. Thank, thankfully, I was right in that situation. He was wrong, and uh, I did get a sort of sheepish apology afterwards. But I'll tell you what, you want, you want to hear a good one? You want to hear yeah. one of my favorite trade deadline stories? So Let's as much it. as trade deadline is fun, um, the trade deadline after party for, you know, our network for TSN as well are kind of mm-hmm. legendary as well. And so there was one year where um, a guy that I was doing a podcast with, Greg Wyshynski from uh, then Yahoo, now ESPN. So Greg would have, like, Greg always delighted in having, like, these um, gauges or or meters for, you know, bad GM trades. And he sort of ranked them based on, I think he referred to them as the Milbury scale. You know, bad Mm -hmm. bad trades. Like, how many? I remember that. Remember that? Okay, so yes, I remember yes, he. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I can't remember specifically what it was, but he included Doug McLean in some of them as well, and sort of went over Doug's, you know, sort of resume oh, no. of, of bad deals. Like, listen, every, everybody has bad deals. Like, like no one gets out clean. Ask any general manager, right? Like, they're not all home <laughs> runs. I get it. And so uh, after trade deadline, I can't. I think I'd take my kids to hockey or something. Anyway, I didn't go to the after party. And I remember I was at home making dinner with my wife, and I get a text from uh, from Greg, and it's like, "Can you call me?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll call you later." And he says, "No, no, you need to call me now. I think Doug McLean is going to kill me." And I'm like, "What's I call him?" He's like, "I walked Classic in, Doug. and Doug conf- Doug confronted me. I said, yeah, I essentially said, yes, I'm going to punch you out here at the bar tonight.'" <laughs> Cooler heads <laughs> prevailed, but I think I think honestly, as as I look back on it now, it's probably every general manager's dream. Just like yeah. if you can get like one freebie, like that's a, that's a good question. Next time you talk to Kevin Shevel Day off, Jamie, I want I want you to ask this yeah. question: If you could have one freebie on oh. on anyone in media, who would yeah. you, who would you use it on? If you can get one okay. where the the minute you throw the punch, everyone goes down to Tyler's gates and no one sees it, yeah. who would it be? Who would it be? <laughs> I think I could ask. I, could, I bet you I get a better answer from Craig Eisinger on that one. <laughs> okay, there you go. Hasinger, Hasinger, what do you think? Okay, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> Jeff, thanks for the laugh, man. Thanks for the quick 15 minutes. Get back to sure, your life dude. and enjoy the next week. I appreciate it. It's always great talking to you, my man. You're the best, Jamie. It's great to hear your voice, pal. You'd be good. Okay, take care, buddy. Thanks, bud. Hey Jets fans, I'm Sarah Orleski. Don't forget to join me after each and every home game for the Winnipeg Jets postgame show live presented by Budweiser, where you'll get exclusive interviews, in-room access, and more. Catch us on all Winnipeg Jets platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and winnipegjets.com. All right, big week coming up uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Certainly, thank you to Jeff Merrick taking some time out to, to chat with Jamie in a very busy week on the uh, the hockey calendar. But big week, like we, like we mentioned, um, they got the Los Angeles Kings in Canada Life Center to take on the Winnipeg Jets on Tuesday, uh, Black History Month game. Make sure you uh, you tune in or get to the building. That's that would be the better way. Uh, Ray Newfeld is going to be a big part of the uh, the game presentation that night. So make sure you're there. For that, winnipegjets.com slash tickets is the place to go. Winnipeg's still in a playoff spot, even with the, the scoring slump that they've been going through. Uh, like I said, L.A. on Tuesday, then a back-to-back with Edmonton this weekend. So certainly uh, some big challenges for the Winnipeg Jets coming up here, Paul. And curious, when you look at the Los Angeles Kings, so often you think back to just a few years ago when you were beating those teams 2-1, 3-2, but now this... This L.A. Kings team has some speed, and they've got themselves in second spot in the Pacific. 
Yeah, no surprise. I mean, they've got a good coach, um, Todd McClellan, who's been around and been able to kind of turn things around. Didn't know which way they were going to go because they still had Kopitar and they still had Dowdy and uh, their goaltending was always never in question with Jonathan Quick. But you wondered if they were going to just have those guys nurse their way through their contracts and in a rebuild. And it has not been that. It's been a quick retool here. It's taken them a couple of years, but they've got some good young players that you mentioned that have that speed. So for Winnipeg, the challenge now becomes it's three games in a row here. You go Los Angeles on Tuesday, and then you've got back-to-back Friday, Saturday against the uh, Edmonton Oilers against three playoff teams. And teams that you could very well maybe meet in the playoffs or have a first-round playoff bout with, or you could fight for maybe a wild-card spot um, if, you fall back and Winnipeg has against those Pacific division teams that may fall out of their top three spots in their division. So a lot to kind of look at here. I look from this standpoint a little bit broader though. I like the last two periods for the Winnipeg Jets, even though it was a four nothing loss to the New York Islanders. And one thing that I've always remembered about previous coaches that were here, they will say, yes, when you're in a funk, it's pretty noticeable. You'll even notice when you're going to get into one because you're winning games you probably shouldn't. But then you'll start to notice even when you're losing games that you are competitive in when you're starting to come out of it. And I wonder if that's what we saw against the Islanders. You don't like the score. It's 4 nothing. It's not flattering. But you like the way they played the last two periods of that. So you wonder if there's steps for Winnipeg to come out of this funk, of which they never had this year before. So at some point, every team's going to go through a bit of a swoon. Winnipeg Jets have found that uh, in the last maybe five to ten games. And you wonder if they're now just on the uh, precipices of coming out of it. Very nice vocabulary, as always. Final one for for you, Jamie. Obviously, like we mentioned, you got the Edmonton Oilers back-to-back. We talked about the speed of the Los Angeles Kings. You really don't have to advertise the speed of Mm -hmm. the Edmonton Oilers. But curious if you think teams that play with that kind of pace uh, will be the type of team that the Winnipeg Jets really like to go up against, especially as they try to... Like Rick Bonus said on Monday, their their speed from point A to B has been pretty good. It's just winning those battles when they get there. Are these the types of opponents the Winnipeg Jets need to face as they try to find that that playoff game, playoff style of game, and get their offense back going at the same time? Well, they they seem to always bring that level up a little bit more to defend the way they want to. They have that recipe, as you say, when they play against the Edmonton Oilers. And I always find Neil Pion gets to another level when he goes up against Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl. But these are two teams in the Kings and the Oilers that are having a tough time with their goaltending. So as, as, as well as these two teams can score, they're having a tough time keeping it out because the goaltending hasn't been consistent. Uh, you know, Jonathan Quick is okay as of late, but Phoenix Copley has kind of taken the, the nets for the, the Kings, but he's even having it. He's like winless in his last three starts. And then we already know about what's like, it's been a nightmare for Jack Campbell in, in Edmonton. And Stuart Skinner, of course, who played for the or the Pacific Division at the All-Star game, he's had a tough time being consistent. So maybe these are the three games where the Jets get their goal scoring you get the goals start going up again, that confidence that way. I'm not saying it's going to be that easy because of that because both teams make it, you know, can score as well as the Winnipeg Jets. So it's it, it'll be a challenge, but these are not the goaltenders that the Jets have run into in the past week or so. Gentlemen, it's a busy time, so I appreciate you all taking this time, and I appreciate the speed in which Daniel Moss will be cutting this podcast <laughs> because it is the trade deadline and so many things happen all at once. And no we were talking about, We're talking about a game coming up tomorrow, and we don't want this to be dated. Tyler, also, uh, thank you for taking time out for making your heroic return. Oh, to the pod. well, thanks for having me. And, and the, through this whole last segment, I've 
tried not to cough. I've got a frog in my throat right now. <laughs> I see you struggling. Oh over my there. god, my <laughs> eyes are watering. It's bad. I think the eyes are watering because you're just emotional and making your return. But uh, true, yeah, that's, that's fair. Or his hands that's are still fair. hurting from it's last been fun night. Fun to be back in here. <laughs> it's a comfy room. It really is. It is. All right. Thank you for listening to episode 154 of the Ground Control Podcast. We'll see you very soon. This has been Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. For more Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.